0: Chief Justice John Roberts votes with liberals against tiny humans and women. In June Medical Services v. Russo, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts again disappoints conservatives. Roberts voted with the politically progressive, morally regressive majority to strike down a Louisiana law requiring abortionists to have hospital privileges within 30 miles of their slaughterhouses in which they kill tiny humans and occasionally end up killing or maiming their mothers. This law would have required abortuaries in which surgical procedures are performed to adhere to the same safety regulations as all other ambulatory surgical centers. Ironically, in a similar case out of Texas, similarly decided, Roberts dissented, siding with conservatives. In June Medical Services v. Russo, Roberts concluded that following precedent, that is, stare decisis, rather than sound reasoning, is the absolute highest priority of any justice. It's a good thing Roberts wasn't sitting on the Supreme Court when Brown v. Board of Education overturned Plessy v. Ferguson, or where Loving v. Virginia overturned Pace v. Alabama. In his dissent, Justice Clarence Thomas made clear that the abortionists pursuing this lawsuit lacked standing and I quote him, "...their sole claim before this court is that Louisiana's law violates the purported substantive due process right of a woman to abort her unborn child. But they concede that this right does not belong to them, and they seek to vindicate no private rights of their own. Under a proper understanding of Article 3, these plaintiffs lack standing to invoke our jurisdiction." Despite the fact that we granted Louisiana's petition specifically to address whether abortion providers can be presumed to have third-party standing to challenge health and safety regulations on behalf of their patients, a majority of the court all but ignores the question. The plurality and the chief justice ultimately cast aside this jurisdictional barrier to conclude that Louisiana's law is unconstitutional under our precedents. End quote. Attorneys represent litigants in lawsuits, and litigants must be able to claim that they are in some way harmed by a law. The purported harmful effect is what gives them standing to pursue a lawsuit. Since feticidal profiteers have trouble getting women to argue against abortionists having hospital privileges, this lawsuit was pursued by third parties who who would be harmed monetarily by a law requiring abortionists to have hospital privileges. The ability of abortionists to serve as third-party litigants was secured in the 1976 case Singleton v. Wolf, in which two feticide providers sued for the right to have Medicaid reimburse them for killing humans in not-medically-indicated abortions. It was determined by the liberal court that the feticide providers had standing because, according to Justice Blackman, quote, they will benefit by receiving payment for the abortions, end quote. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right, greed works, says Gordon Gecko. Twas ever thus. Justice Thomas goes on to remind America of the fundamental truth that Supreme Court precedents defending abortion lack even, quote, a shred of support from the Constitution's text. Our abortion precedents are grievously wrong and should be overruled, end quote. Justice Thomas is far from alone in his assessment of the precedents as grievously wrong. Here are some similar assessments of Roe v. Wade from liberals. Quote, One of the most curious things about Roe is that behind its own verbal smokescreen, the substantive judgment on which it rests is nowhere to be found. That's Lawrence Tribe, Harvard Law School professor. As a matter of constitutional interpretation and judicial method, Roe borders on the indefensible. I say this as someone utterly committed to the right to choose. That's Edward Lazarus, former clerk to SCOTUS Justice Harry Blackmun. As a matter of constitutional interpretation, even most liberal jurisprudes, if you administer truth serum, will tell you it's basically indefensible. That's Edward Lazarus again. Blackman's Supreme Court papers vindicate every indictment of Roe. Invention, overreach, arbitrariness, textual indifference. That's William Salatin, Slate Magazine writer. Roe is not constitutional law and gives almost no sense of an obligation to try to be. What is frightening about Roe is that this super-protected right is not inferable from the language of the U.S. Constitution, the framers' thinking respecting the specific problem in issue, any general value derivable from the provisions they included, or the nation's governmental structure. That's John Hart Eli clerk for U.S. Supreme Court Justice Earl Warren. The very basis of the Roe v. Wade decision, the one that grounds abortion rights in the Constitution, strikes many people now as faintly ridiculous. Whatever abortion may be, it cannot simply be a matter of privacy. Roe is a Supreme Court decision whose reasoning has not held up. It seems more fiat than argument. Still, a bad decision is a bad decision. If the best we can say for it is that the end justifies the means, then we have not only lost the argument, but a bit of our soul as well. That's Richard Cohen, Washington Post columnist. Judges have no special competence, qualifications, or mandate to decide between equally compelling moral claims as in the abortion controversy. Clear governing constitutional principles are not present. Alan Dershowitz, former Harvard Law School professor. In short, 30 years later, it seems increasingly clear that this pro-choice magazine was correct in 1973 when it criticized Roe on constitutional grounds. 30 years after Roe, the finest constitutional minds in the country still have not been able to produce a constitutional justification for striking down restrictions on early-term abortions that is substantially more convincing than Justice Harry Blackmun's famously artless opinion itself. As a result, the pro-choice majority asks nominees to swear allegiance to the decision without being able to identify an intelligible principle to support it. That's Jeffrey Rosen, George Washington University law professor and former clerk to Judge Abner Mikva. Liberal judicial activism peaked with Roe v. Wade, the 1973 abortion decision. Although I am pro-choice, I was taught in law school and still believe that Roe v. Wade is a muddle of bad reasoning and an authentic example of judicial overreaching. That's Michael Kinsley, attorney and political journalist. It is time to admit in public... That as an example of the practice of constitutional opinion writing, Roe is a serious disappointment. You will be hard-pressed to find a constitutional law professor who will embrace the opinion itself rather than the result. As constitutional argument, Roe is barely coherent. The court pulled its fundamental right to choose more or less from the constitutional ether. That's Kermit Roosevelt, University of Pennsylvania Law School professor. And the last one is, The failure to confront the issue in principled terms leaves the opinion to read like a set of hospital rules and regulations. Neither historian, nor layman, nor lawyer will be persuaded that all the prescriptions of Justice Blackmun are part of the Constitution. And that's from Archibald Cox, JFK's Solicitor General and former Harvard Law School professor. The super-creepy pro-feticide organization here in Illinois, Personal PAC, whose sole reason for its creepy existence is to protect the legal right of women to have their offspring oft, is expressing only tepid kudos for this decision. Their enthusiasm is tempered by their correct assumption that pro-life activism will not cease, and I quote them, While the Supreme Court's decision in June Medical Services was a temporary reprieve from the assault on reproductive rights, don't be fooled. The anti choice extremists are emboldened by today's decision, and it is to our great peril if we think it portends anything other than a reprieve by the court Trump promised would end Roe. End quote. Choice is an obvious and deceitful euphemism that is not up to the task for which it was created. It can't conceal the truth about the unseemly nature of the choice leftists want women to have. There exists no absolute or constitutional right to choose. They exploit the word choose or choice because of its positive connotations. They exploit it because of the fondness everyone has for making choices in life. But not even leftists believe that a free-floating right to choose exists. There are a host of choices they want to proscribe— Leftists don't believe parents should have school choice. Leftists don't believe parents should have the right to choose whether their minor gender dysphoric children are chemically sterilized or surgically mutilated. Leftists don't believe parents should have the right to choose the type of sex education their children should receive. Leftists don't believe minors who experience unchosen, unwanted homoerotic feelings should have counseling choice. Leftists don't believe employers should have the right to choose whether to hire or fire cross-dressing men. Leftists don't believe anyone should have the right to refer to cross-dressing men by male pronouns. Leftists don't believe women have the right to choose to exclude all biological men from their private spaces or sports. And leftists, presumably, don't believe minors should have the right to choose sex with adults. So many choices of which tyrannical leftists want to deprive Americans— well, many Americans don't believe women have a moral or constitutional right to order the killing of imperfect or inconvenient humans. Feminist and family abolitionist Sophie Lewis cheerfully admits, quote, abortion is a form of killing. It's a form of killing that we need to be able to defend. I'm not interested in where a human life starts to exist, end quote. Because science confirms that the product of conception between two humans is a human, abortion inarguably kills humans. At no point in the gestational process is the product of conception anything other than human. Since abortion kills humans, legalized human slaughter will never cease to divide America. Anything that gnaws around even the edges of the child-killing tumor that we refer to as Roe v. Wade is a good thing. Roberts didn't help babies or women.